John Newton in his famous hymn, Amazing Grace, penned the lines, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And those lines have been sung by millions and millions and millions of people, but most probably don't hone in on the part that identifies them as a wretch, or at least a former wretch, if they're a Christian. Everyone loves to sing about grace, but no one wants to be the one in desperate need of such grace. Now last week I talked about how we're made in the image of God. We do have worth and dignity because of who God is and because of the fact that we're made in His image and we are called to be image bearers of God and that is true. And nothing that I say today changes that. We are made in the image of God and as humans we have worth and dignity because of who God is and how He has made us. But the fact that we're image bearers of God and worth uh, have, have dignity and worth because of who God is doesn't change everything I'm about to say either. In fact, the reason that man, sinful man, is so sinful, and the reason it's such a deplorable condition that the sinner is in is precisely because he's made in the image of God and he's rebelled against his Creator. So there are two different message, one, messages that we hear. One is this, you are a good person. You're pure, you're upright, you're honorable. And the other one is this. You are a wicked, vile, iniquitous sinner. You are a wretch. Is it any wonder why people hate the biblical gospel? But the fact is, every one of us is a wicked, vile wretch in need of amazing grace. The grace is so amazing because the sinner is so wretched. If you are a Christian, the only reason you are no longer a wretch, is because Jesus Christ has changed you. It's not because you decided to stop being a contemptible heathen and decided to start being a righteous person. It's not because you have more goodness and uprightness somewhere down in your soul than someone else does. The only reason you love God is because God decided to love you and show His amazing grace to an ungrateful, traitorous rebel. Now, among Noah Webster's definitions for wretch are the following. A miserable person. A miserable person, one sunk in the deepest distress as a forlorn wretch. And another one, a person sunk in vice as a prolificate wretch. Now, I'm not sure I could think of many stronger words to describe the condition of man. Perhaps one other phrase comes to mind. Totally depraved. So that's what you are apart from Christ. You're a depraved wretch. Now the clearest indicator that someone has not experienced the amazing grace of God in Jesus Christ is that they have no conception of themselves as a wicked, vile sinner. A true encounter with Christ will leave every man, woman, and child in a state of painful realization that they are wretched sinners not worthy to even read the words written about our Lord, let alone to be called a child of God, clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ that Bob spoke of earlier. Now, when Peter realized that he was in the presence of the Holy One in Luke 5, from what I just read, when he realized who he was, when he saw the power of Jesus Christ, what did he say? He said, get away from me. I'm a wretch. I cannot be near 
your holiness, he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That was Peter's reaction to Jesus when he saw who he was and he saw his sin. Now the modern pop psychology experts will no doubt disagree with everything I say. In fact, unfortunately, most Christian people perhaps who claim to be followers of Christ would disagree as well. Certainly the shallow, surface-level religion that passes for Christianity in our day will not focus on the wretched state of man. Rather, religion to them, to many, is a feel-good, emotional tool to make you feel better about yourself. The God of modern Christianity is not a holy God. That God is an idol. The one true God is the God that made the Apostle Peter fall on his face and beg the Lord of glory to leave his presence. The one true God is the God that caused Isaiah to say, Woe is me! Cursed am I! Woe is me! I am lost, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's the God of the Bible. Now you can keep your supposed view of yourself as a pretty good person, but you cannot have Jesus Christ. You cannot have the treasure of the universe, the pearl of great price, the lily of the valley cannot be yours if you think of yourself as pretty good. If you think of yourself as so great, then that's all you shall have is yourself. But when you see yourself as wicked and wretched, then and only then does the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ become yours. As Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Until you are that wretch in that song, grace will not be amazing. It will be merely pedestrian and commonplace. So briefly, I want us to dig into this a little bit, and I want to give you five reasons why you're a wretch. Five reasons why you're a wretch from the Bible. Number one, and this coincides with the theme this morning, thankfulness. You're a wretch because you're ungrateful. Man is an ungrateful creature. When you whine and complain about your lot in life, you're like a child that is given everything by his parents and yet whines and complains because he didn't get exactly what he wanted. A child's parents provide him with food, clothing, love, shelter, toys, vacations, education, training. His parents sacrifice much for him to make, to give him a life that they didn't have. And then that child complains and whines because he has to do something he doesn't like or doesn't have something he wants. Such a child would be seen as a disrespectful, arrogant brat. And yet you're the same way with your Heavenly Father. When you whine and complain and are ungrateful for the abundance of all things He has given you. It's no wonder that when Paul lists the characteristics of the godless to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he says the following, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. 2 Timothy 3.2, ungrateful. It's listed among a litany of vices. Paul tells us in Philippians, do all things without grumbling or questioning. Do all things without complaining. Or listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10.10 when he says this, don't grumble as some of them did 
and were what? Destroyed by the destroyer. 1 Corinthians 10.10 God sees ungratefulness as such a wicked, contemptible sin that when the Israelites complained and grumbled, He killed them. He destroyed them. When we are ungrateful to God, we're like that child that is given everything and yet whines and complains like a spoiled brat. That's why we're so wretched. God has given us so much, so many good things, and yet we're ungrateful. In this season of Thanksgiving, you see and look around people that do not give their thanks to the God who has given them everything. And they grumble and complain because things aren't exactly as they want. Well, number two, you are a wretch because you're a child of the devil and a slave of sin. The truth of the Imago Day sets us soaring on the heights, the highest heights, because of our identity as, as creatures of God, made in the image of God. But the tr- truth of total depravity leaves us as worms in the dirt, willful slaves of sin and children of Satan. Now some people hear that, they might say, you're coming on a little strong there, you might have been you know, listening to, to John Calvin's, reading John Calvin or something. Um, this Calvinism is too strong. Nope. Try the Apostle John, the Apostle of Love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. It's 1 John 3, 9 and 10. Sin is a transgression of the law, and your violation of God's law demonstrates that you would rather follow Satan and your own rules just like Adam and Eve did. You're a wretch because you're a child of the devil when you sin. Now, certainly Jesus wouldn't say anything like that, though. Perhaps John would. Jesus would never call people children of Satan. Well, try John 8. Jesus says this, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. John chapter 8. Oh, but he only say that to the proud, right? To the proud and self-righteous. Yes, but if you don't recognize yourself as a child of Satan, then you are that proud, arrogant, deceived, self-righteous Pharisee who needs to read those words from Christ. We're wretched because when we live our lives in sin, we're a slave to sin and we're a child of Satan. It's not a very good picture that we have so far of the condition of man. So number one, you're a wretch because you're ungrateful. Number two, you're a wretch because you're a child of Satan and a slave to sin. Number three, you're a wretch because you spurn God's patience. It's bad enough to be an ungrateful sinner and follower of the devil. On top of that, you spurn God's patience. Despite all your ingratitude and sinning, God is still patient with you. He didn't destroy you. He's patient. He's kind. And yet instead of repenting, What did you do? What did I do? Instead of repenting, year after year of living my life in sin, I sinned all the more. You keep on loving pleasure rather than loving good and loving God. 
Romans 2.4 Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because you're so good, no, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It's bad enough that our condition is one of ingratitude and sin, but yet when God shows His patience to us, we continue in it. Well, number four, you're a wretch because in pride you take credit for what God does in, through, and for you. You take credit for it. When God warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8 not to take credit for their prosperity, He warned us all of taking credit for any good thing in our lives. Deuteronomy 8.17 Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. So on top of being ungrateful, on top of being a child of the devil by your unrighteous works, on top of spurning God's patience, you take credit for any speck of goodness you think you can see in your dark heart. You take credit for your success, for your prosperity, for your wealth, for your career, for your family. You reject God's patience, you reject His law, and then you take credit as if your own works have given you the things you have. You've not learned the lesson from Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, I want to read a portion of this. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. There's Nebuchadnezzar on top of his palace, beholding all his kingdom and all his wealth and riches. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And he goes on, and the word was fulfilled. And then later, listen to this. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, for all His works are right and His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar walked in pride, and because of that he was a wretch and a sinner that God could have crushed like a bug. But he didn't. He was gracious to him. But when we take credit for anything in our lives, any goodness, any blessing... We are raising our fist at God. We're like that child that is given everything and then takes credit for it somehow that, it, that it's his right to have the good things in his life. Well, number five, and I'm sure we could go on, 
but I'll spare you. Number five, to top it all off, you are a wretch because you deny it all. You deny all this. Proverbs 20 verse 6 tells us that many a man proclaims his own goodness. You know all this stuff is true about you. See, man knows that he's a sinner. Man knows that God is his creator. And man knows that he should be grateful and obedient and humble and repentant before his maker. But he denies it. He denies it all. You, you, you don't take the moniker of wretch on yourself. Maybe someone like that former slave trader John Newton, but surely not you. You could not be that wretch in that song. It's bad enough when, when someone is, is evil and, and wicked and rude and selfish and egotistical, but when they deny it all, it just tops it all off. Someone who's just so self-deceived and self-righteous that they would deny what's even plain even to them, and that's what we do as sinners before God, our holy God. Now, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a good person like me. Now, that's not right. Amazing grace has sweet the sound that saved a halfway decent person like me who needed a little help to make the right decision. That's the Arminian version, but that's not right either. Amazing grace has sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's it. Now, is there a message here for the believer? For the one that has truly recognized him or herself as a wicked, vile pathetic wretch as I trust we have yes I believe there is a message here for us as believers remember but for the grace of God there go I there go you so to close here some brief application to believers obviously everything I said has great application to those that are not converted this is how you must see yourself if you are to see Jesus Christ for who he is But for the believers now, two points of application. Number one, don't ever forget that God saved you. It may sound simple, but don't forget it. You didn't save yourself. You had no part in it. You can look out and you can see the most despicable, vile, contemptible, pitiful sinner out there. And you're looking at your soul apart from Christ. Your soul. You see the most slippery, deceitful, egotistical, selfish person, and you have not even begun to see the blackness that is your own heart apart from Christ. It is only the common grace of God that has prevented your sin that was within your heart from being manifested worse than the most vile sinner on earth. The heart is desperately sick, Jeremiah said, and that includes your heart. Don't forget what God has saved you from. Don't ever forget it. Number two, be gracious to new Christians. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? 1 Corinthians 4.7 Have you forgotten that you were a slave of Satan, a child of the devil and a slave of sin? Have you forgotten That you are a vile wretch. I'll be honest, when I've seen other Christians struggle with sin that I think they should be able to overcome, I tend to think of how I have done all I can to get where I am. I find myself saying to myself, I worked harder than any of them. 
I have sought to put sin to death, and they haven't. And there is part of that that may be true, but I can't forget the second part of that phrase. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. 1 Corinthians 15.10 Every advance in holiness that I have experienced in my life, every victory that has been won over temptation has been carried out for God's sake, not mine. Because of His grace, not my grace. For His glory, not mine. For the praise of His name, not mine. And sometimes you need to remember, all the time we need to remember, who we were before Christ in order to be reminded of this. You wouldn't even be able to praise the name of Christ if God hadn't changed your putrid, rotting, sinful heart and given you a new heart. So remember that when dealing with new Christians who maybe aren't at the level they should be, but don't forget where you came from and where you still need to go. The Christian, as I've said, is simply a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And so we ought to, as I say, remember we're that wretch in the song apart from Christ. And remember where new believers are coming from. The depths of sin, children of Satan, whom we all were and would still be apart from Christ. But aren't we supposed to not focus so much on, on sin and on the human condition as, as totally depraved? Well, the Apostle Paul didn't think so. Near the end of his life, 1 Timothy, he said this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. At the end of his life, not the beginning, at the end of his life, Paul saw himself as the chief of sinners. But he saw Jesus Christ as the chief of saviors. And for that he rejoiced. You're not a good person. You're not. You're not a good person. I'm not. No one is, but Jesus is. And praise His holy name that He will save a wretch like you. That's a wonderful message. Anything I tell you here about yourself to make you feel better in the end will destroy you. But Jesus Christ alone can save. And that's the message we have, and that's the message we are to share and proclaim. That He can save the most wicked vile wretch. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the amazing grace that is extended to sinners in Christ Jesus. Apart from Christ, we are children of the devil. We are wicked, vile sinners that hate you, hate your law, and want to live lives, our lives our way. But praise be your holy name. Jesus Christ is the chief of saviors. The only true savior that can save from sin. And I thank you that you've saved a wretch like me. That hated you and rejected all the goodness that you've shown me. There's no good that we can take credit for in our lives. All the praise goes back to the Lord Jesus and what he's done. We pray that you would remind us of this and continue to show your amazing grace to us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.